0: Lance Haydett, welcome to Bike Talk with Dave. I'm super excited to have you on. I've been wanting to talk about this Lifetime Grand Prix and how you juggle a season on the road, a season of cross, and a season chasing points in the Lifetime Grand Prix. So, welcome to Bike Talk with Dave,
1: Lance. It's great to have you on. Yeah, totally. Thanks for for having me on. And, uh, yeah, excited to... uh, share the story a little bit and all the chaos that it comes with it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It kind of does look like chaos. It's a long season and you're mixing it in. I want to, for background sake, you know, people don't want to hear me talk. They want to hear you talk. So who are you riding for? And tell me a bit about that team. Maybe a little bit of the history and the objective of the team. It's a unique team concept. And I think that's worth talking about.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so I race for Legion of Los Angeles, um, which is primarily a road and, and criterium team based out of LA and run by the Williams brothers, Justin, Corey, um, and CJ. Uh, and I've been on the team since, let's see, I signed in... December of 2019, going into the 2020 season, um, and got to do a whopping two race days with them before racing was was uh, shut down for a little bit. But um, yeah, no, I mean it's it's been an awesome experience racing racing for that team, and I mean arguably the most dominant criterium team in in recent history. Um, but also just a team that really does cool things in the sport um and although like winning and and results and and being on the top step of podiums is definitely the something that the team focuses on um, one of our biggest things is promoting cycling as a sport that's inviting to everyone um, and and really trying to make this this push for cycling to be something that, as a as a young kid, whether you're growing up in a inner city and and you want to pursue professional sport and seeing your only options as like basketball, football, the the standard team sports, um, the team kind of wants cycling to be like this this sport that is actually attainable and something that's cool and exciting for for young riders coming up, um, and also just yeah, really making cycling a, a place where everyone is loved, accepted, and, um, basically providing a bit of a platform to people for people to succeed in the sport. Um, and I think my place within that is kind of the, uh, the Jack of all trades bike racer, um, and providing like yeah, not just racing on the road bike, but also mixing in cyclocross, gravel, mountain bike here and there, and really showing that the love for the sport can mean riding your bike in a bunch of different disciplines and a bunch of different series. And uh, yeah, just racing because you love it, not just because you're a road racer or a mountain biker. Um, And uh, yeah, and I every day appreciate that the team allows me to do that and supports me to do it, which is uh, something they, they definitely don't have to do as they are very much, much more of a, uh, a road team.
0: Um, There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I, uh, I totally, we could right? Spend <laughs> a whole, we could spend a whole episode on just what Legion's concept is. One of the interesting things I find about it is it's called Legion, you're on Legion of LA, but there's also legion of
1: is it miami and yeah so it's it's a uh, miami blazers is, is miami the team. blazers okay um yeah and it's it's a team that's under under the legion william brother um umbrella but uh run separately and the entire team kind of sets the sets the tone and sets the uh basically yeah. The team like Justin, Justin obviously has some say and, and negotiates a lot of the sponsorship deals for the team, but they really are kind of their own entity, which is, is pretty cool.
0: Do they have different colored jerseys? They do. They do. Okay. So you guys, you guys are not teammates when you line. We up. Are,
1: No, we are very much competitors. Um, That's and, kind of uh, cool. yeah, Legion, Legion definitely wants to, uh, beat up on miami and miami wants to beat up on legion so it's a good like we're all we're all good friends on each team but it is it is very much like justin's goal in creating more teams is to just to lift the whole level of of racing here in the u.s and have teams that are well supported but can compete against each other and push each other to be better
0: yeah, and the other piece about it that I think is unique is that it's not named after the sponsor. It's not the de Kooning Quick-Step team. It's not the Trek-Segafredo team. It's not the, um, I don't know, give me another one, uh, <laughs> EF Education yeah. team. It's totally. Legion, and it, Legion can go get their sponsors from 37 different sources they're not Mm -hmm. tied to one which makes it theoretically a more uh viable with a broader range of support um structure doesn't it
1: totally totally yeah i mean it's um legion very much is is its own like entity um and i mean in in some cases it's it's its own brand (laughs) legion is kind of nowadays um but yeah, what that what that allows the team to do is pursue sponsors that aren't just title sponsors. Um, it's more of like this is Legion and this is who we are and and our goal, and we get sponsors that want to support that rather than sponsors that want their name plastered on our jersey. Yeah,
0: uh, I think that's an interesting concept. Concept probably before you were born what year were you born
1: 97 so the very end of 97 yeah
0: yes before you were born um uh shoot i can't think of his name tim something or other started a team in columbus ohio and it's called team columbus and it was kind of that concept was um, yeah create a team centered around a location and have that location have some buy-in and have other teams like that around the country so team columbus would race against team chicago and team la and team new orleans and then people from columbus would cheer on team columbus just like they do the um ohio state the ohio state Mm -hmm. uh buckeyes lasted a few years i don't know what happened to it but um but it was a concept and it's kind of what legion's trying to do so it's interesting and um i don't know two teams and i hear there's another there yeah um... i can't
1: i can't share too much but there is currently a third very much in the works um yeah and the goal is to have more to follow yeah very cool and also create a whole kind of criterion or race series is that Kind of the ultimate. Yeah, I think. I mean, I can't totally speak to to Justin's end goal, but um, I think I think the goal is with with what Legion has been able to create, um, and essentially being able to really use like the fact that we are an LA-based team and having that that support from LA um, and and California in general, kind of use that same framework to build teams in in major cities or, or regions across the U.S. And then once you accumulate enough teams and riders that are competitive, then beginning to start your own league or, mm. or Criterium series where not only are the teams competitive and kind of regionally based, but then you can actually have uh, like fans that are they're supporting their team from their region where, where they're from. Um, and, and yeah, and kind of just following the model of most other mainstream sports where you support your team because that's where you're from. And yep. it builds this fan base. That's, that's very, uh, it just, it, it grows on its own.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, A dedicated, loyal fan base. Totally. Totally. Yep. Um, well, that's very cool. Um, And, uh, it's interesting that you're on that because you are so diverse and Legion is so seemingly focused on the road and especially criteriums. Um, although you were U 23 national road champ here in the U (laughs) S. So you do have some road cred, that's for sure.
1: Some Um, road cred. uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. You do have some road cred. Um, so you've done a few crits, uh, a few road races stage race you did redland stage race yep. this summer but it w- was all while you were in the midst of the lifetime grand prix yes is, yes it was. i just think that's crazy man first of all tell people what lifetime grand prix is and if anyone has listened to this podcast for any length of time they would know that i find the lifetime grand prix intriguing and the reason for that is really its diversity of events and um i mean you have to excel in a wide variety of things so how would you describe the lifetime grand prix to someone who might ask which i guess yeah
1: (laughs) no i i mean i would say uh i would say the lifetime grand prix is essentially taking six standalone events that are probably six of the largest events in the u.s maybe not the biggest but definitely up there um I mean for sure Leadville Sea Otter and uh and Unbound are kind of very very mainstream events and then Schwalmigan is huge I I hadn't heard about it until this year but locally in in the Midwest it's epic and and legendary um and then it is big sugar that we're we're racing here this weekend in Bentonville is a uh New one to the circuit, but has already seen a lot of uh, a lot of praise. So I'm excited to give it a try this weekend. But essentially, um, all six of these races, which vary from Schwamagen being a two-hour mountain bike race to Unbound being a 200-mile gravel race that takes eight, nine, ten hours to complete, um, it's a series that really requires. A rider to be flexible and to be good at, at almost anything that they're that they're thrown into. Um, and throughout the series, um, five of your races or your five best results will be tallied at the end for the overall. Um, and the men and women are splitting a two hundred fifty thousand dollars prize purse um, after this weekend. So yeah, big, uh, big event, big, uh, big series, big events and a big prize purse. Um, And it's kind of drawn a lot of the top mixed surface racers here in the US. Um, And myself being a road racer and cyclocross racer in the past, uh, I feel like it it fits my my strengths pretty well.
0: One of the other things about the Lifetime Grand Prix is the fact that it was an application Yes. Um, series where they accepted 30 males and 30 females to compete in the series. What was. How'd you answer a couple of the questions on the application?
1: Do you remember? I. Let's see. I think. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a pretty in depth application process that honestly. <laughs> being a being a college student it wasn't uh too far off from college applications honestly but um i think yeah i mean some of them were were talking about like just why why do you feel suited to being in a multi-discipline series and and part of that was just my my history as a, a road racer a cross racer starting as a mountain biker um and now with the gravel scene kind of exploding here in the u.s it just uh it just makes sense. And I, I, think literally in that, in that, uh, in that response, I said, um, if there was, a, if there was a series built for a writer like me, this would be it. And I think that was the selling point. <laughs> so, cool. uh, yeah, but, um, yeah. And then other ones were, were definitely very much, I mean, like kind of, uh, influenced social media content based questions and, Those, I, Mm -hmm. not necessarily my, my strong suit. So I kinda just fudged my way through those. Um, but, uh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, you have a following. You know what? I I got a following. It's just, it's just, it's just not necessarily on the internet only. I I'd say my, uh, my strength is in person interaction, not, (laughs) not over the internet, but so your, um, your, your fan club follows you from race to race. Totally, I got a posse. It's good. No, yeah, just you kidding. do. For
0: sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're not kidding. I want to talk about that. Um, before, before I do, I I found it super interesting. I saw your name, Becca Farringer. Um, oh, who are the other cross heavy folks that uh,
1: dove in? Um, I mean, really, really not a lot, which was honestly surprised. Yeah, I was gonna say me. that's kind of it. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't I guess, know. Like, so a cross race is
0: an hour, and then you're signing so... up for a 200 mile gravel race, and they're very, very different. And they are very different. You race criteriums. Um, yeah. you race criteriums on one of the strongest teams in the country, and it's that's as far away from Leadville and as far away from Unbound as you can get. Schwamigan's mm-hmm. a little closer because it's two hours of pegged heart rate, but. Um, golly, I was really surprised to see how, how did you juggle coming off cross season? Uh, Mm -hmm. you did you race worlds? Did I see you in Fayetteville?
1: I did, yeah, in January.
0: Okay, Mm -hmm. so that's the end of January. So you got February, March, April. Sea Otter was in April, is that right? Yep. Um, whew. I mean, yeah, not that's not around much time. An hour, no, and and you are like a fine-tuned machine to race for an hour with your heart rate pegged, and then you have to ease into these longer, harder races. Of course, Sea Otter was the first, um, so that's I don't know what's that—a couple-hour race, maybe two, three hours.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was right just over three hours, I believe.
0: So, so how did you physically manage the preparation to get ready for these longer races?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, um, it, I mean, it's challenging for sure. I mean, coming off of, coming off of a season of cyclocross, um, you're, it's tough because you, you travel so much, especially living on the west coast, um, you travel back East almost every weekend for, for UCI cross racing nowadays. Um, so basically each week you're, you're dedicating at least two days a week to travel. Um, typically for me, that's like a Friday. Well, ideally it would be a Thursday, but I have school. So I fly Fridays most of the time. Um, and then you fry, and then you fly back Monday. So essentially that whole four month period during cross season, you really only have like three days a week where you can train. And out of those three days a week, you're typically only doing one really specific hard workout and then two kind of either endurance or active recovery days because then you're racing Saturday and Sunday on the weekends. So cross season, you get really, really sharp, but have almost no volume and just big base fitness. So after, after the cross season, I took two weeks completely off the bike and then two weeks of essentially riding for fun and putting in bigger miles um, and, and riding with, with friends and uh, doing some stuff like the coast ride and, and things that happened in California during like February. Um, and I was also doing quite a bit of work in the gym as well. Um, and essentially those first those first three months leading up to sea otter I was doing a lot of volume as much as I could and just hoping that through four months of of intensity during cross season and then putting in some volume and doing some strength work to kind of keep keep sharp a little bit um I was hoping that I could just get enough, enough miles in the legs that I would have the endurance to compete, um, for races like unbound later in the year. Um, and honestly, it, it seemed to work pretty well. I, uh, I raced the Otter and, and rode well for building up my mountain bike one week before the race. And, uh, I think I, I finished sixth or something on that day. Um, and then the following two weeks after were the Redlands stage race. And then bWR San Diego, so that that honestly was a good chunk like a three week chunk of of good hard volume that I think really prepped was good prep leading into to unbound in early June
0: that probably was perfect that's like three week cycling camp totally, totally. with the number pinned on
1: yeah um, exactly
0: how was unbound have you done What was your longest gravel race before Unbound?
1: So, you know what? I actually, um, when I was racing for Avolo in 2019, I got the chance to race Unbound. Um, Hmm. That year, I had had no clue what to expect and honestly prepped this much for it. It was kind of like a last minute decision in the middle of a a road season. Um, And ended up doing like, okay, I think I finished like 19th or something like that after after a couple flats, um, but rode well. And, and honestly, like, I mean, it was one of those things where I finished and I was like, I never want to do that again. But then a week <laughs> later I was like, yeah, I could probably do that again. Um, so having, having that knowledge of at least what it feels like to ride your bike on gravel for 200 miles um, really helped the preparation for this year and just going into it with at least a little bit. <laughs> you always kind of forget how miserable you get at like mile one hundred and sixty out of two hundred, but um, that being able to forget that is what helps you like train and prepare and actually want to go into it with some motivation. <laughs> so it's I think it's like a uh, it's a it's something your mind plays tricks on you in order to to allow you to be motivated and, and push through it. But um, it it yeah. is your
0: brain's method of protection. <laughs> totally totally right yep um well you i i don't know where you are well i do cuz i just talked to you at um Fayetteville World uh the World Cup cyclocross world cup and i think <laughs> you're currently in 10th in the i
1: Lightville? am 10th yeah um, in the which is is a is a tough spot cuz it's the uh the last place within the payout and and honestly, the payout is 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 okay for tenth. Um, and I have I have the ability to maybe move up a couple spots or possibly drop a couple spots this weekend. So um, it's it's an important one.
0: It is an important one. But you had been up, weren't you? Up in fifth at some point? point, fifth or sixth. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was. So um, how was... you
0: how'd you end up that high, and then what happened to put you in tenth?
1: totally so essentially i uh i was after sea otter finishing sixth that was i was sixth overall as that was the first one um and then let's see after after unbound i believe i finished ninth um and actually moved up one place um into fifth i believe and then i uh <laughs> i don't know what it is i've raced crusher and the tusher three years now um and I can't seem to figure that one out. I, I don't know if it's just being a a uh, California boy who lives at the ocean and going up to race it at that kind of elevation. Um, but, yeah, I, I struggled really bad this year and was – I think I finished, like, 15th, 16th, something like that. Um, and because the point structure is – like it's just a linear point structure. So 30th gets one point for the overall and first gets 30 points. Um, when I got like a 16th, like it, it drops you pretty considerably. Um, and <laughs> the, the other funny thing is in this series right now, most of the top riders in the top 10 are elevation based riders. Like they live, they live uh-huh. high. So most of the riders I was competing against, um, performed pretty well there. So it was like, oh, ah, yeah. that, that kind of sucked. But, um, yeah. the good thing was, is then after that, because, uh, that one's always tough too, because it's, it's in mid July and I have uh, school that goes through like June 20th. So the, the prep and being able to like be at altitude leading up to it is, has always been challenging. Um, but after, after crushing the Tusher this year, I stayed out in Utah and Colorado for, yeah, almost a month and a half leading up to Leadville, um, and that, that made a huge difference. I was I was much better at Leadville and was able to finish ninth again, um, which moved me up in the standings a bit more.
0: Um, do you like the, enjoy the mountain bike ones? Like, Leadville's epic. theaters totally. a great mountain bike race, Schwamigan's. A Midwest epic. Totally. Um, you do love them. I, am, I mean, yeah, all I ever probably. see you is on your your crux, which yeah. you know floats between the uh, uh, gravel roads and cyclocross very well. But uh, I don't see you much on a um, mountain bike. So how, like, how did Leadville go? That's, I mean, that's a hundred miles of high altitude, and not flat. It is not a flat race; it's a lot of up and down. How was that for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was um, it was good. Honestly, that was probably the event that I was like most. Mm, I wouldn't. I would say nervous. Yeah, I was. I was pretty nervous going into it because I was. Um, I mean, historically, <laughs> I have not been the best performer at altitude, um, and nor am I necessarily the best hour-long climber out there um but i i did know that my mountain bike skills are are definitely better than most of the other riders in in the lifetime grand prix overall so i knew that was that was going to be a plus for me um and i also knew that spending a month and a half at altitude um was about as good of prep as as you can do um so yeah i mean i i went into it and honestly that race is gnarly (laughs) it is being at that altitude you're you're out of breath going up a flight of stairs um so it's it's challenging and and honestly within the first hour of that race you basically do two 20-minute climbs which at at the front of the race it's it's a full-blown all-out effort um so you're basically doing like two 20 minute threshold efforts within the first hour of a six hour day. Um, so it, it basically blew apart really quick and I was lucky enough to just make it over, um, that second climb and drop down the the power line descent, um, in, in the front group of like seven riders. And at that point, um, you then drop down kind of into the, the, the basin or the plains, um, which is still at like 9,800 feet. And uh, you roll for like 20 miles, just just between road and gravel road. Um, so once I was in that group, like it was just, just rotating pace line through all of that. And then, uh, yeah, got to the, the big climb of the day, going up Columbine and pretty quickly, it was, it was evident that I was not gonna ride for an hour-long climb up to 12 and feet at the same pace that uh keegan was riding <laughs> so i kind of just settled into my my own pace and um was able to be pretty close to uh riders like actually i was a bit ahead of like todd wells and um was just behind let's see who was it i think i was just behind um Matt Beers, the uh, the South African mountain bike, marathon mountain bike guy. Um, but also going up that climb, uh, Pete Stetna and uh, Lachlan Morton were were coming up behind me pretty quickly. So actually on the descent back down, I was able to link up with those guys and ride for a while, head back towards Leadville um, and yeah, about at mile 80, you go back up over those two 20-minute climbs and the the typical power line climb that's just super steep and super loose and and pretty crazy and I was uh I was hurting pretty bad. I was cramping, I was like pretty lightheaded and and seeing stars a little bit. So, uh and unfortunately, I was probably with two of the strongest climbers in the race and they just they just rode away from me. Um but yeah, was able to to roll in for ninth, which it's not. I mean, ninth isn't an awesome result, but considering the course and and just the lack of uh, time I spend at altitude each year, um, I was I was pretty happy with it. And and just doing Leadville for the first time, it was pretty legendary. It was cool. Yeah, it's a great great event, isn't it? Like
0: mm-hmm. I've done it five times and have loved it every time. And I'm totally laughing when you're like oh, 20-minute climb, oh, this is a 40-minute climb. I'm like, dude, no, that's a two-hour climb. <laughs> yes. <about this. laughs> what do you mean? It's, what, yeah, what do it's you a... mean you rode up power line? There's no riding up power line. Totally. That's no, some I... good stories. But it's the old it's a hard day, dude. It is a hard it day. It is a hard day um, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We did it in the years of uh, Lance. Well, the first year we did it, uh, Dave Waynes was on a, I don't know, his, like, fifth win. And then I think Floyd Landis was the next like he won the Tour de France and then he came over and uh did Leadville. And then the next year uh Lance Armstrong showed up and uh boy that really changed that changed Leadville. Like I'm sure there were seven hundred and fifty people in that race and now I don't know, twenty five hundred or something crazy like that. Totally. But uh that's called the Lance effect the Lance effect. Um, but it was kind of fun to, to be amongst those guys. And, you know, it's an outback, so you get to see them as they're ripping down Columbine um, just a little bit
1: ahead of us. Just a little bit. Distance-wise, not all that far, but time-wise, uh, it adds up quick going up Columbine. It is so For, slow. Yeah.
0: Time-wise, it was forever. Yes. <laughs> they were forever exactly.
1: ahead of us. Uh,
0: so let's talk about Schwam again. How, whew,
1: welcome to schwamigan That was your first time at Schwamigan yeah. too right yeah no first time and honestly the first year I even knew schwamigan and well I couldn't even say what schwamigan I couldn't pronounce Schwamigan before this year so I'm <laughs> glad that, that that's a uh, yeah I I think I'm I think I'm pretty good with the pronunciation now but um, yeah yep yeah it's a uh, dude it's an awesome event I mean just being I I think I was kind of telling you this earlier, earlier this week in Fayetteville, but like I would never once think to go to Northern Wisconsin to ride the mountain bike, but mm. honestly, it's, it's awesome. It's beautiful. The, uh, I think we we're just getting there when like fall colors were starting to turn. Um, just, yep. just, just, yeah. And, uh, yeah, a great, a great event too. So many people and everyone was just, just having a great time. And I actually, probably one of the most memorable parts of that weekend was we, uh, after finishing the race, we, we rolled into the parking lot, which was totally muddy and, and, uh, cars were stuck everywhere. Cause it poured rain for, <laughs> for like maybe only two or three hours during the day, but it, it just came down. Um, yeah, I, I can tell you exactly the hours that it rained that it poured probably the hours that you were riding your bike right (laughs) it it
0: started just after we went through double O, and i think it was just ending as we finished so it was Mm -hmm. uh, it's an hour and a half maybe two but yeah yeah coming down poured
1: poured
0: uh and i think
1: i asked you at fayetteville you did not have rain during the race right yeah no i i think Maybe there was five minutes of like active rain throughout the day but um yeah everything else was already just the ground being saturated and and being chewed up from all the racers that had done the course before us because that's that's the one event where the pros actually go last so the course has been ridden
0: yeah what what do you think of that that's that's fairly new at schwamm maybe two or three years ago maybe um, maybe 2019 was the first. So it's not been that long. You used to line up just in front of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do have a funny story, if I can sidebar for a second. Uh, no, my wife and I do it on tandem. And we, you know, you're assigned a gate based on your previous years. And I think w- we did like a 242 or something once, just had a phenomenal year. We're usually hoping for, through 2.50 to 3.10 is kind of where we land. But uh, we had a great year. So we got gate one. And when you're in the gates behind gate one, you go there at 6 in the morning, and you take your bike into the gate, and you lay it down, and then you go have breakfast, and you hang out, and you get ready, and you show back up at 9, and you get your bike out, and you pee one last time, and then the race goes off at 10 a.m so we were in gate one and we go there at 6 a.m and you know there was no starting line the corral wasn't like really created for gate one yet so we just laid our bike where we thought the starting line was and when we come back from breakfast this is at nine o'clock now three hours later (laughs) everybody is lined up like a hundred yards behind our bike like freaking Uh, I think Tilford was still racing then. And, you know, all the guys, Brian matter and all the Eppens was a hundred yards back behind our bike. And our bike is just laying in the middle of the freaking street (laughs) (laughs) all all by itself. And so we had to go into the back of gate one, which was essentially like whoever was right behind our wheel is where we would have been had we been in the rest of the, the race so it was it was hilarious it's like we gained zero and just totally we look such like the freds you know
1: (laughs) hey this is our first time that's pretty funny
0: it was hilarious i know it's uh members only joke but um man oh man that was our one experience with gate one and now we're we're back in four but anyway um uh so yeah you guys started at 1 p.m and you did not start in town. You started at the base of a grassy hill. Yes. Essentially, we take a road about four miles out of town, and then we dive into what we call Rosie's Field. And you guys just well dove up, uh, climbed, repelled no ladder, took the elevator. <laughs> I don't took know the elevator. I saw, yeah. I saw the hill. You guys had to go up, and it was just like going up a wall
1: that's what it looked like anyway what did it feel like it it felt like a wall um a very like bumpy bouncy deep grass wall um it was it was a really hard start not gonna lie it was uh i mean essentially every start is is hard because everyone's battling for position but this one was not necessarily a battle for position it was more just like everyone battling for the one line that was kind of burnt in because everything else was literally like two feet deep long grass and super bumpy and and just challenging and i mean we basically staircased up these like 12 to 15 percent climbs for almost like three minutes straight straight oh. off the starting line um which yeah i mean talk about a way to like literally peg your heart rate within within the first three minutes of the race it was insane um and then from there i mean it was like it was full gas um until i i mean i literally got gapped off the lead group um i mean 35 minutes into the race and had done the best power i had ever done for 35 minutes oh Um, wow yeah so hey it was it was pretty gnarly not gonna lie But, uh, I, yeah, I mean, Schwalmigan was awesome. Um, what I, I will say is, uh, the two weeks leading into that, I was full bedridden with COVID. Um, so it was not great prep. And, uh, the big the biggest thing for me was not the fact that I hadn't trained for two weeks, but just like the coughing up a phlegm and chest tightness after going as hard as you can for 35 minutes i was uh yeah i i was not good um and when i when i popped off the lead group that was probably like 14 riders um left in that group and then i i linked up with this the chase group that was riders like uh keel ryan dylan johnson uh tobin ortonblad um and uh then rode in with them for the rest of the day, and unfortunately, Tobin and I dropped the rest of those guys on um, uh, was it fire tower or fire tower? Yeah, yeah, fire tower is the the steep climb that's like just stair-steppy and, and this m- muddy this year. Um, yep, you're welcome. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was good. But <laughs> the the two cross guys, Tobin and I, um, we we gapped everyone going up that, and then unfortunately on descent I had a couple uh chain drops just because there was there was so much mud built up around my around my bottom bracket and chain ring that whenever I was uh dropping down the cassette and the the tension in the chain wasn't quite as high it was just I would be pedaling and it would just derail off of my front chain ring um just because the mud was so built up so uh Tobin dropped me and then I was passed by uh A couple other guys um so yeah it was it was tough it was a rough day for me um and honestly that between that result which i think i was 16th 17th something like that um and then the result uh at at crusher and the tusher those are kind of the two that Are the reason why i'm in 10th right now and uh in the position fighting for the last the last paid spot in the overall well one of the things that happens is um you get to drop your
0: lowest score so one of those 16s could potentially go away this weekend right that's the goal
1: yeah (laughs) that's the goal goal. i'm
0: sure that is the goal for you and
1: everybody else right (laughs) exactly right yeah except for except for keegan i think keegan uh Keegan doesn't have to get in, rid of any races, and he's and he's golden. So he is. Um, yeah, yeah, good spot to be. But uh, I'm he curious also to see that, how he so. does. Yeah, he did. Earn I am too. Um,
0: he doesn't have any pressure, so I wonder if that will lighten his load and he will explode off the front, or if he'll just kind of have fun. Or I don't know. I'll be curious to see what he does this weekend. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I mean, he's I earned it.
1: Yeah. The one thing I will say about, about Keegan is if he does have fun, we, uh, we all better watch out because fun for him <laughs> means just smashing it. So, uh, Fair enough. yeah, I mean, I mean, that's for most of us when we're having most of the, of the top riders, it's like the days that you do best are the ones that you're having fun for sure. So, yeah. um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yep. Definitely. Um,
0: uh, You know, he's an interesting one, too, going back to kind of this whole lifetime Grand Prix concept. Uh, he raced road worlds. Yeah. Like, that's full whack road race. I mean, that's road racer stuff. And he's been doing a season of gravel and Schwamigan and Leadville. Talk to me about that. Like that's
1: just so weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I mean the what I will say is I I certainly do think he has he has the power, he has the fitness to be there for sure. Um, and I, I think he, he showed that at Road Worlds where he was he was he was there, hundred percent He was there. Um, yep. But I. I actually was was riding with him for a bit today here in bentonville um and was was talking it over with him because uh i mean i i have experienced road racing and and he he really didn't have a whole lot until until worlds this year um and one of the things he said that was most challenging for him and uh it's something that i i experience when I go back into crit racing after like longer periods of, of racing gravel or, or mountain bikes is just having like the trust in everyone else around you when you're like ripping through a corner at 45 miles an hour and you're bar to bar. And literally if one person messes up at all, you're, you're all going down and going to be jacked up. And, uh, yeah, just having that like trust and, and uh being okay with like the the potential consequences um is something that that takes a little while to like get get around even when you're a road racer in the past if you aren't like constantly in that in that realm and and dealing with that and being okay with it it's a it's a little shock to the to the brain to to get get ready for that um So that was, that was his, his main thing that he said. Um, and especially in road racing, because it is pretty, pretty full gas a lot of the day at worlds, especially, um, when you are a little unconfident and a little unsure, you just, you let open gaps here and there and don't fight for wheels quite as much. And the next thing, you know, You're at the back of the Peloton and it's completely strung out and you're a minute behind the leaders purely because the the Peloton is like a half mile long. So, um, that was, that was the challenge he said. Um, and even, even with having to deal with that, I mean, he, he had a solid result for sure.
0: Yeah. He's obviously strong. I mean, he can, he can pedal a bike. And just Indeed. power through whatever you know. So if he gets some uh, some road chops, I don't know. It's interesting. You know, that's an interesting question. I just kind of came up with, uh, yeah. Let's look at Wout van Art, Matthew Vander who cut their teeth in cross, and now you hardly see him at all. Which I'm sure you don't mind, or maybe you <laughs> do like having him around. Uh, but you know, both of them were regulars here in the U.S. at the World Cups. In Cross, and now they're not coming over for it because they don't have to. Because I mean, I'm sure each of them are making five to ten million dollars a year, right? Mm -hmm. So, is road like where the money is and everything else gets there? Like, what's how's it lay out um, financially? Uh, Legion Mm -hmm. hopes to have kids want to race professionally because they can make a living at it. How do Mm -hmm. U.S. riders best make
1: a living riding their bikes? Right now it's gravel. Um, It is gravel. It is gravel. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, because racing in the U.S. is very much a, uh, it's participation. I mean, we do, obviously there's, there's fans of professional racing, but the vast majority of people that are financially supporting the bike industry, are those that ride and do these events themselves. Um, and right now, I mean, gravel gravel is the big thing. And as you can see, like all of these events each year only get bigger and bigger and more participation. And they draw the pros, which then draws the media. And right now that's, that's where it's all at. Um, so I think what Legion is doing In criteriums is, I think, the other avenue right now where there is potential. Just through, I mean, legion Legion pays pretty pretty solid salaries for for its riders um, compared to other teams that we're competing against. Which is something for me that's that's really awesome Um, (laughs) because it's. (laughs) I'm sure it is. Yeah, I mean, by no means am I uh, making all kinds of money, but. No, surviving is, is doable i ate today yeah. i ate okay, today good. so good good exactly good. but um it's uh between legion and the other competitive teams out there that are increasing in budget each year um and and just the fact that crits offer pretty good prize money um hmm, right. so that's yeah i'd say that's the other the other realm right now where there is a potential for making a living um and then, honestly, the the tough part is outside of outside of gravel and outside of crits. Road racing is is not it's not killing it here in the U.S. I mean, there's not a lot of I mean, barely any one day road races, and the stage races this year, Redlands was big and Joe Martin was big, um, and that was about it. Gila Gila unfortunately was was rather small. Um, and I think it was because it was on a weekend that conflicted with a bigger crit and a gravel race, hmm. um, so yeah, it's wow. it's challenging world out there um, for for the road racers. But uh, and I guess the other thing now is, as a cyclocross racer, I get to see the uh, yeah, just the the lack of funding in in cross right now as well. Um, well,
0: nobody is buying cross bikes. Everybody's buying gravel bikes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so that's so, that's where the money goes. Totally. Um so how let's talk about cross for a half sec. How was Fayetteville?
1: Yeah. You know what it was it was great. It was um I mean this course is so fast. And and it was when you bring a man. Oh, it was. Yeah. I mean it was it was ripping and because we did get some rain the night before, um, it wasn't enough to make it muddy, but just enough to make it packed and tacky and endless traction so uh yeah i mean it was when you have like the world cup riders from from europe um guys like ely and Sweek and uh out like it is so fast from the gun and it doesn't let up um and uh i i actually had a pretty good start and for the first two laps was tacked on to the back of the front group of 14 riders and uh, yeah, I was holding on for dear life. Um, and uh, on lap three, they, they punched it up the climb, um, probably harder than they had gone, not quite as hard as the first lap, but harder than the second lap. And uh, Curtis, White, and myself both got gapped off the back. Um, and unfortunately, it was a, a kind of windy day and I was about 10 meters off of Curtis um and was already totally redlined and and sat there for about a lap and uh realized it was probably better for me to to salvage a result and uh and link up with the chase group than it was to just sit out there and die and then get passed by everyone so um yeah ended up linking up with group two which was probably like five or six riders fighting for 15th um and uh Yeah, rode it in, and the last lap had a little, got caught behind a little crash, and uh, was yeah, ended up I think twentieth, twenty first, something like that. Um, Which, yeah, I mean again, isn't isn't the best result, especially considering uh, our our fellow American Eric Bruner was fourth on the day, which is in an insanely impressive ride. I mean,
0: insanely, insanely impressive.
1: Best best North American male ever in a cyclocross world cup so big kudos to to eric but um yeah i mean for me as a as an american i think pulling off top 20s and world cups are are solid so yeah. i was i was i was okay with it definitely want uh want more for the rest of the season but um was satisfied for the moment yeah cool well you look good out there and oh, your smile you. is always
0: uh <laughs> always um what's the word I'm looking for? Infectious. You have an infectious, infectious. smile. Your infectious oh, right. smile, by the way, is all over freaking Fayetteville. Every time I turned it around, sure there was a picture of you from the uh, <laughs> it's, World it's Cup clear. last year. I completely was, I was completely
1: covered in mud. It's completely ridiculous. Completely
0: covered in mud. It was great. You just have a yeah. great smile, so it was kind of funny. Uh, well, I also have you. to tell the story. Like, Have you ever been to, maybe you're hungry and you go to like a fair or a market, maybe a farmer's market type of thing or something like that and you you kind of walk around and like somebody's given free samples of like cheese and somebody else has some little tiny pizza squares and somebody else has a little sausage and somebody else has a little fruit cup and they're all just kind of giving it away free and it doesn't really mean much in and of itself but you turn around and all of a sudden you've had like dinner.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: that was you in Fayetteville (laughs) you're over (laughs) here you're over it you're with Caleb Swartz and you're like I don't know getting your tires pumped up and then I see you over with the um uh the blue team and I don't know what you're doing you're lubing your chain or something and then you're over with um oh shoot what's the uh um, green alpha team and alpha, he's freaking yep. washing your bike and you're like, and then you're over at Rafa and you're probably getting your kit ironed or, or you yeah, getting, getting a whatever. little espresso, <laughs> get a little yeah. espresso. <laughs> like you were just kind of this nomad and I don't know, maybe you were like a stray dog and everybody just kind of felt for you and gave you some
1: scraps off the table and everyone, everyone just you. feels, everyone just feels bad for me. It's okay. <laughs> it was no. awesome. It, it was, was awesome. uh, i mean honestly i just um i don't know i like i like making the rounds and chatting with everyone and the cool thing about the cyclocross world is i mean in none of those circumstances did i actually like ask for anything you just show up and start talking and and uh they're like oh dude your bike's dirty i'm washing right now you want to wash it i'm like uh yeah that would be sick thank you and uh and i uh was at the Blue the blue Stages tent because they were nice enough to actually uh, drive my bike and a wheel set down from Waterloo last weekend um, because I was I was flying home for school in the midweek and then flew back out to Fayetteville on Friday. Um, and uh, I was there and grabbed my bike and it was perfect. And then I realized that my wheel set, they had completely taken off my tires and re-glued them, um, oh, wow. which is i mean dude i mean that's that's like a three hour four hour process 100 percent um so i was like i was shocked um and i ended up giving them giving them some good uh coffee and gas money afterwards but yeah i mean that's just the cyclocross world for you everyone is, is everyone's out there doing it together and um I guess yeah. When you when you get everyone a smile and you go and talk with them, they uh, they help you out, which is yeah. is awesome. I don't. It was <laughs> awesome to see. I, it, it speaks
0: totally. to what kind of guy you are. So, I, we talked oh. about your dad uh, last fall, I think, and uh, your dad done good. Tell him I said that. No, oh, I, I, I will. But thank you. Uh quick question before we go how's school you're a freaking
1: mechanical engineer you got to be close don't you Yeah man it is it has been a long long process definitely did it the uh the hard way that's for sure but I am uh I'm done here in in December Awesome um, congratulations So yeah no thank you and hey. yeah wrapping it up this quarter it's uh in terms of actual units being completed it's it's not a ton um but it's senior project and a upper division, uh, basically electronic material systems class that has a couple labs a week. So it's, uh, it's just time, but it's, it's good and it's pretty hands-on. So I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah.
0: Mechanical engineer. I think if I looked at the pay scales correctly, I feel like mechanical engineers, a little higher pay scale than uh dirtbag bike racer. Oh no way. We do, we do bike <laughs> racing for bit. the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we do. That's a hundred percent. That's why I do this podcast to make all the money. For the money, um, yeah. Uh somebody did um, buy me a coffee today which I appreciated, but Oh that's um, awesome. Do you plan on working right away? What's your plan there?
1: Yeah, so I mean I uh I love I love bike racing, so I'm for sure going to continue there um and try and, yeah, I mean, try and be the best I can be. Um, but what I will say is growing up and racing as a, as a junior in U23, I raced for Raleigh Clement and then Donnelly, um, Mm -hmm. with, with Jamie Driscoll, who I, I see as a, a good friend and, and also a mentor. Um, and he was a mechanical engineer as well. Um, graduate from UVM and, uh, yeah, I mean he he was he was racing great when he graduated and and went into professional racing for a decade career that was super successful, um, and didn't didn't do much work experience in terms of of on the engineering side, um, and yeah, and I mean he straight up told me like trying to find a job after after those ten years was it was challenging. I bet. Um, so I. With that, I I do want to I want to stay relevant in the engineering world, um, hmm. and luckily I do the cool the cool thing about mechanical engineering and bike racing and being sponsored by a lot of great companies is most of those companies develop cool products that need mechanical engineers. Um, Good point. So I uh, I'm looking into some options right now to. Continue the bike racing, but also work as a, uh, a part-time engineer within the industry and with, with one of the companies that I, I work with as an athlete as well. So, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. It's, that it's going to be perfect. cool. And yeah, it does. It does. So, um, yeah, being able to combine the two things, uh, that, for, for years now seem like they've been conflicting but I think in the long run they'll uh, they'll meld pretty well together yeah no doubt I mean everything
0: yeah. uh, everything you look at is touched by some type of engineer except for totally. the crap I stick together in my garage <laughs> but whatever <laughs> come on um, come on yeah uh, there's no engineering brain here well, Lance, uh, I'm super excited for your season. You've had a great Lifetime Grand Prix. I'll be anxious to hear how big sugar goes. And uh, I don't know, best of luck, man. You're
1: an awesome dude. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, always, always happy to chat. It's good.
0: I always enjoy talking with Lance. He's a great guy with a bright future ahead of him both on the bike and maybe designing the bike. I don't know. Good luck as he finishes school this semester. Be sure to follow his adventures throughout this cyclocross season, but also on the road, gravel, and mountain bike all year long. You can find him on Instagram at lancy.pants and follow the entire Legion team at Legion of Los Angeles. He did wrap up the Lifetime Grand Prix Series at the Big Sugar Gravel Race in Bentonville, Arkansas, just last weekend. He finished 18th in the 104-mile race in 5 hours and 13 minutes. That's 19.6 miles per hour on gravel in the Ozark Mountains. It's pretty amazing what the pointy end of the races are doing while backfill like me is counting down the miles till the next aid station so I can grab a Coke and a couple of cookies. So that kept him in tenth place in the Lifetime Grand Prix, the final paying spot. Congratulations to Lance as well as everyone who put in a bid to compete in the biggest race series in America this year. I'll put a link to the Big Sugar and Lifetime Results in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to Bike Talk with Dave. I'd love it if you'd be so kind as to support the show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing and also share it with some friends. If you'd like to support the show financially and help me make this podcast better, you can go to buymeacoffee.com or hit me up on Venmo at david.mabel. If you do, I'll send you a Bike Talk with Dave sticker. I just sent a few out this week. I want to thank Larry, Terry, and Zach. It's super awesome to put those things in the mail. There's a link in the show notes. As a reminder, As a Bike Talk with Dave listener, you are welcome to a free three-month subscription to the Adventure Plus streaming platform. It's a streaming service with hundreds of independent adventure films. Just click the link in the show notes and get registered for a free 90-day subscription. And then you can watch more than 600 films on cycling, skiing, surfing, running, mountain climbing, rock climbing, pretty much all the cool stuff that we love. Head on over to adventureplus.com or just click the link in the show notes for your free 90-day trial. I want to thank bikeiowa.com for being the online host of Bike Talk with Dave. Bikeiowa.com is where you can find all kinds of cycling events, news, information, and trails in Iowa and around the Midwest. Bike Talk with Dave is a production of Summit Media Films, an award-winning indie film company that is not afraid of snow. Check out our films at adventureplus.com with your free 90-day subscription. We've got A Thousand Miles to Nome and Down the Kuskokwim are two films about life on the Iditarod Trail. Can you imagine riding your bike across Alaska in the middle of winter? And then we've also got Reach for the Stars, which is a hundred mile run on the hilly gravel roads of south central iowa all three are great films and are available on adventureplus.com thanks again for listening to bike talk with dave and we will see you next week